realize you're working with you. Well, you dirt-eating piece of slime, you scum-sucking pig, you son of a motherless goat. Who are you? Wherever there is injustice, you will find us. Wherever there is suffering, we'll be there. Tell us we will die like dogs. What? Tell us we will die like dogs. We'll die like dogs. No, we will not die like dogs. We will fight like lions, because we are the Free Amigos! Everybody to the legendary Stay Ass Podcast. Stay Ass Podcast can be heard on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and other where podcasts are available. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Stay Ass Podcast. Once again, I'm Chris. I'm here with Jordan. What's going on, brother? We are back, and we got another brother with us. Our uh, celebratory third wheel. Yes, sir. Our <laughs> victory cigar, if you will. <laughs> um, too much credit. Too much credit. Calvin is in the building. What's good, everybody? Hey, man, listen, I am excited to be back on t- on this program, man. It is so much to talk about. I've been busy, man, but I had to find time to talk this time around because uh, it's a lot going on that we got to discuss. We, we put Calvin in the game every so often. He's the uh, Brian Scalabrini of the Stay House podcast. <laughs> hey, man, that's the, that's, the, that's the mamba, baby. People keep, keep thinking that Scalabrini was just a walkover, man. Scalabrini did his thing. Like, like Scalabrini, all I wanted to do was be the 12th man on the bench, baby. That's it. <laughs> You're always welcome here, Calvin. Yes, sir. So since we're on the subject of uh, basketball, let's hop in. The saga continues with the home area Chicago Bulls. The last episode uh, is a pretty hot and cold one. I kind of got in my feelings <laughs> last time about the Bulls. <laughs> I blacked out, man. I, I I just I just saw red, and I started just going in. And you would think that after that, after that, the arrow would be pointing up, but no. No, 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 no. So these dudes have. Well, well, since since we've last podcasted, so now we've had the situation with the report to the NBA about the practices being too hard. Because Boylan came in like uh, Major Payne <laughs> and uh, the drill sergeant, and he had him doing wind sprints and push-ups because they lacked conditioning. 
He had them practicing two and a half hours on multiple days after back-to-backs. Had them going to film sessions immediately after losses. Uh, He broke all types of protocols and written and unwritten rules when it came to player interaction. How do you feel about that, fellas? Calvin, how do you feel? Uh, it's, it's so funny, man, because this dude literally came in. <laughs> First of all, they, they fired a guy because he was too tough. <laughs> and then they hire a guy because he fits the mold of someone who they can manipulate and to do the little dirty bidding that the Bulls want to do. <laughs> and then they fire him because he's too soft and hire a guy who's probably more harder than the guy they previously fired. And this guy doesn't even really know X's and O's. He just knows how to tell you to do push-ups and to stay up, as Tom Thibodeau used to say, stay up, stay up. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know what, man? You know, it's interesting. Like, the first uh, couple of games, I think uh, the Bulls lost the first game, but it was a tight one. And then they won that second game. It was a surprising win. I think they beat – uh, was it San Antonio or Boston? It was like an upset. But it was Burns, right? And it was a comeback. He came back like 19 down. And I was like, man, okay, all right. And it is like Stacey King kept making jokes because, you know, he was on the sideline just like crouching over the whole game talking about Jim Boylan. And, you know, I'm just thinking like, okay, maybe this guy's up to something. And then you hear reports about the players not wanting to come to practice because this guy is making them do push-ups. Well, what is this, man? Is this is this sixth grade? Is this like is this eighth grade? Like who 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 makes twenty million dollars, twenty million a year players do push-ups? I mean, you know. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I think that Jim Boylan at the end of the day is going to be the best thing to happen to the Bulls because it's going to allow us to tank successfully as opposed to tanking unsuccessfully last year. Thank a lot, thanks a lot, Nico Miritich. But, uh, yeah, I think we get an opportunity to truly tank by this trash coach. Look, Man, I I agree with everything you just said. All I'm going to say, because we talked about this, you know, last week, and I I even got my my little rant in last week, so I'm not going to touch on this too much. I mean, it is what it is. Jim Boylan is like the smartest dumb person in the world. He comes in... And he's he's barking all these orders. Okay, yeah, you know we gotta we gotta get these players to be more aggressive and be more, you know, uh, conditioned. You know, these players they they they're not they're not conditioned enough. They 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 need to they need to do better at working out. They need to get the push ups in. It's like high school ball. And then I saw a video of Jim Boylan, Boylan actually doing push ups with the team. Like that's supposed to motivate grown men to to follow your lead. Let me tell you something. Zach Levine got hurt when they went over and played in in that little kids gym in Mexico. I don't know where they played. I, I forgot what where they went, but he got hurt. And something is telling me maybe Zach Levine is sitting out a little bit longer than he needs to, because from what I heard, it was him, 
it was uh, uh, it was uh, Grant. Is it was it Jerrion? Not Jerrion Grant. No, it was Holiday. Justin Holiday. I'm getting my my players mixed up. That started that whole mutiny. Like, look, we're not finna come in 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 the, in the workout. You got us playing games, and then back to backs, and then now we got to work out, and then work out even more at, 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 the, at the at the practice facility. No, it's not happening. I, I think this this is the best thing that could ever happen because it's setting us up and putting us in a position where we could possibly get Zion Williamson or R.J. Barrett. Hopefully. Now we officially have the worst record in the league. Uh, the Bulls did win yesterday, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they still hold the worst record in the league uh, because Phoenix has been on a tear lately. But it, it, it's my only thing is if and when we do get a good draft pick, Say we get a Zion. Say we get a RJ Barrett or a Cam Reddish or whoever else. When they come in, what, what's going to change? Yeah, it's going to be a nice little new shiny toy. But what's going to change if you still got the same clowns that's that's controlling everything? The same puppet masters. The front office needs to change. This organization, who is led by Reinsdorf, he needs to change his mentality. He needs to stop being loyal to clowns. Bring somebody in that actually cares about winning and the tradition of the Chicago Bulls, bringing them back to the glory days instead of worrying about just filling seats. Because as many times as that United Center, it, it's, it's filled up to the brim, no matter if they win or lose. That's what's really going on here. I guarantee you, if people started turning away from watching the Bulls and coming to the games, then they'll put a little bit more importance on, hey, we need a better product that are out there on the court. You know the Bulls were second in attendance. Last year, in NBA, they always got good attendance. Second, I believe it. Second in attendance. It's cold in Chicago, man. We need something to do. Oh, I, I can <laughs> find myriad things to do. And the city is full of stuff. Besides attending overpriced Bulls games to see a mediocre product. Now, uh. as far as this whole boiling episode goes, I think it was the Indiana game that they won that they kind of shook up the world. And and then the Boston beating that took place where Boylan pretty much benched the starters. Now, here's my thing on that. He subbed five of them out. He subbed, he subbed the starting five out. He did it twice in a game, which is rather embarrassing for professional athletes. But also losing by 50 is embarrassing. Um, Absolutely. Thing. I, I've heard the argument made that the reason they lost by 50 is because you subbed the starting five out. Here's my rebuttal to that. So if you do not sub your starting five out to help them to avoid the quote-unquote embarrassment that they receive by being taken out, would they have been more comfortable with the embarrassment of losing by 30 instead of 50 and playing? It's not as bad as the blowout. Or is it you took me out, I couldn't get my 25 in garbage time? Or is it you took me out? I couldn't get my 10 rebounds in garbage time. I think that was all about stat padding, but I digress. Let's move on to the next day. After Boylan subbed them all out, they played minimal minutes, and in effect, he ended up lying about it, but in effect, it was so that they could practice. They decide to exercise their civil rights and boycott practice. <laughs> yeah. It took Lowry Marketing, a second year player, and Robin Lopez, your 
your vet. You know, you vet professional yep. to say, hey, that's not the way to do it. So they ended up showing up and voicing their concerns to the coach. Here's something else that made me upset. So after they came in and had their players only meeting, fine. Players do it all the time. Teams do it all the time. They decided to take it to the coaching staff and meet with them about their concerns. Mm-hmm. Guess who was in the meeting? Guess who was in the meeting between the players and the coaches about practice? John uh. and Gar Foreman. Why? Why are you there? Because they want their hand in everything. Of what concern is this to you? Why are you there? We already know what that's about, man. Okay, so moving on. I don't. I don't want to black out again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come back. Come back. So then, after all of this and the controversy sparks up. You get a lot of the talking heads that are talking about how soft the Bulls are, and you get a lot of the local commentary rebuttaling, saying, well, it's really not about softness. I contest that it's a little of column A, a little column B. I think that Jim Boylan is insane. He is a maniac. Waiting to approach this situation with this team has hints of genius, but is executed also very poorly. Because as Calvin pointed out, he's Tibbs without the knowledge. Absolutely. Ain't got no he sense. He seems to think, and the Bulls front office brass seems to think that he is a good coach by osmosis. That because he's been around great coaches, that as a result, he's going to be good. And in some cases, that's true. You pick up some things along the way. But. Yeah. He hasn't done that. He's constantly used the argument, and this was this was one of the funnier things of this episode. Um, when he met with the players, and one of his defenses against calling so many practices, that's what Pop does. And the players' rebuttal was, we're not the Spurs and you aren't Pop. Now, while everybody seems to get a good chuckle out of the fact that they declared Jim Boylan not Pop, my biggest chuckle was the players admittedly saying we're not the Spurs. <laughs> Which is true. I mean, let's let's, let's not. they're not the Spurs. They're not even close to what the Spurs were. It's true. But that's what just don't admit that's it. What you want to be. But see, yeah, that's that's the that's the goal. Is if you want to have a successful organization, I mean, you got you, you got to get tired of wanting to get a low draft pick every year. You got to at this point, we should be trying to build. We got how many draft um, top five picks in our on our team right now? Uh, what Chris Dunn is a, a number five pick. Zach Levine was a top fifteen. Uh, who who was that small forward? Well, Justin Holiday, but you got Jabari Parker. Well, hey, he's he's gonna be gone. You know, but I mean, I don't oh, that's. Not- you know, I don't know. I just I feel like they should be striving to get to that level, and yet they they still falter, man. Yes. Here's my take on that. I don't think that it's a matter of they don't want to get to that level. 
I think they were just being honest. And you think about it, sometimes as a younger person, you say things that maybe out of immaturity you may think about later and say, oh, well, that probably wasn't the best thing. This team is young. They got a lot of young pieces that are probably going to be much better down the road. Right now, I agree. They are not the Spurs. Do you want to put that out there and say, no, we're not the Spurs, you're not Jim Boylan? No. You want to give the idea that, hey, this is what we want to aspire to. We do want to get to that point. So it probably wasn't smart just from a perspective of everybody else now looking at you all like a clown show, but the truth is the truth. They they are not the Spurs. See, this is the thing too, man. This is this is this is where it's so I, I kind of fall in line where I mean I, I, I say earlier, I feel that Jim Boylan is the best thing that happened to the Bulls this season, and that's just because of what's on the horizon in terms of potential draft pick. But at the end of the day, you got all this cap space coming for 2019. And you quite possibly will strike out again because if I'm a free agent and I'm looking at this little team, do I want to come to this? Where, where you got a Pax and Garth Norman that's constantly mucking up the place, don't know what they're doing. They, they didn't even make Jim Boylan an interim head coach. They, they made him a permanent head coach. Like they hired him as the head coach going forward without even any kind of successful track record. And it's like if you see this dysfunction and you see that these players haven't even played together and you don't really know if they really want to play, and then there's a narrative that they may be soft or they don't want to practice. So you got the narrative that they're soft, they don't want to practice. And on the other end of the spectrum, you get the narrative that this coach is just this bullhead personality that's old school and doesn't know X's and O's, but just knows how to try to push you. Like, do I really want to come to that? When I got LeBron in L.A., I could probably join him. Or, you know, New York is the biggest market in the world. So, like, you know, the Bulls aren't doing themselves any favors here, if you ask me. Here's my thing, and and Chris, you, you know, I need to see what you all think about this. In a business world, we all know that your reputation is everything. So when it comes to what you put out there for a person to perceive or to assume of you, that first impression is everything. So when it comes to the Bulls, when when they first hired Jim Boylan, it already was going downhill. And what team was it that came in and was taunting pretty much saying, like, hey, y'all better something, something, don't do Sacramento. The Kings? It it was the Kings? The Kings. That was the, the worst part about it. It wasn't like it was Barson. It wasn't like it was Toronto or any top Golden State. It was the Sacramento Kings. Hey, hey, hey. I, I told Chris. Oh, God. I told Chris. They are. I had to admit that last year, don't last get week. Me wrong. I had Listen, to don't get me wrong. They're good this year, but it's the Kings. It's the organization that is known for dysfunction and not knowing what the heck they're doing and not being able to sign free agents. And they're laughing at you because we, they, wait, the Bulls were up by, I think, a dub in that game. I think they was up by 20. Kings came back and blew them out. It was like a 40-point swing. Yeah, yeah, it was. Bulls were, yes, it was. Lost by 18. At that point, my, and they're telling y'all, uh-oh, looks like y'all going to have to do uh, 
three hours of uh, practice tomorrow. Wow. This was after their off days. This was after the off days that they wanted so badly. Here's the thing, too. Boylan is a maniac. He's insane. But the players are also soft. Do they have a point with what Boylan was doing? Absolutely. But they're still soft. They still have a, a, a carefree attitude about the way they're approaching the game. Did I personally overestimate the talent on this team? I think so, yes. But I think they have yeah. enough talent to get the A seed in the stinking Eastern Conference. They're not even doing yeah. that. Have you seen the standings, by the way? There have been injuries. I get it. But to sit there and watch the Zach Levine ISO show, and then he starts to get frustrated when, you know, the teams have started to game plan against him. Because for some reason, he didn't understand that when you start scoring 30 points a game, teams are going to game plan against you, and you're going to have to make adjustments. He didn't get that part. So there's something wrong with these players. But there's also something wrong with this coach. And there's something wrong with this organization. And the word is out. The word is out. For years, I doubted it. I contested it. I said, no, if you, if you throw a big enough bag of money in front of some of these players, they'll come and take it. But guess what? Not the ones that matter. Not when you have the dysfunction in your organization like here. Not when it's the word around the league that your GM and, and vice president of basketball operations are going to meddle. And when it comes down to you or them, it's going to always be you. That's the problem. Not when you may get attached to a coach who's somewhat successful and he's out on his rear end because he does something that somebody doesn't like in the front office. See, all these factors play into it. So when it comes time for you to say, hey, Paul George, Anthony Davis, do you want to come play here? You're going to end up with Otto Porter. Yeah. And that's the sad part. That's the sad part. You you put a good point on it, right? Like, the Bulls, to me personally, they have enough talent to be an eighth seed. I was just looking at the standings. Did you realize that this is how bad the East is? The eighth seed is the Heat. They're 14 and 16. Do you know that in the West – the Jazz are the 12th seed, and yet they're 16 and 17. They're a game, half a game better than the eighth seed in the East. But this is that's not surprising. Though. But this that's not surprising. The, 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 it gets worse than that. The West is so deep, man. The the Timberwolves, who are the 14th seed in the West, is 14 and 18. Like the the East is trash, and the Bulls sitting here with the second worst record in the league. Oh, so I guess they're not the worst team in the league now. No, that goes to – they're tied with Cleveland. <laughs> Good old Cleveland. Yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm washing my hands clean of this, man. I think we've honestly discussed it into the, into the ground. You know, it, it, everybody should know where we stand as, as a podcast. You know, this, this has to change, but it won't change until the people upstairs – uh, are, are different, in my opinion. Oh, and and we haven't even touched Jabari Parker. Oh, I was just being insane. What about Jabari? Oh, I forgot about Jabari. Well, yeah, all right. Who wants Jabari Parker? New York. Apparently, the Knicks. The Knicks want him. Let him go. They like mid-range shooters. And now, and now, and and I know he doesn't per se like this. 
but it always seems to turn out this way. The main individual who's reported of all of this interest in Jabari Park on the trade market was Casey Johnson. So why mm. do you think it's leaked that all this interest is in Jabari Parker? And why do you think Casey Johnson is the one reporting it? The balls are trying to put out there that there's interest in Jabari Parker. Hmm. No one else. This is generated by the Bulls front office and by their connects. This isn't genuine. This isn't real. And if the Knicks are the buffoons, are the huckleberries you want to pick on, even if you can move Jabari Parker, it's going to be for some terrible salary. It's going to be for ter- terrible salary. And don't you dare think you're going to get a number one pick. Oh, no, not at all. You shouldn't even expect that. You're just letting them go because you made the dumb decision of giving them all that money. I think they already knew going in, okay, we're giving them 20 with the second option, but I don't think we're going to take that second option. We'll just see how it goes. We're going to bring back another another hometown hero after we already let the old hometown hero go uh, a couple years ago. Like, this is just a, a, a constant roller coaster. But I'll be honest with you, man. I honestly didn't think that contract was bad when they first signed it because I did not you had to give that money to somebody. No, not at all. I didn't think that at first. Yeah, because I feel like you had to give that money to somebody. And so I thought the fact that they got a second-year option where, okay, if it doesn't work, we just wipe our hands clean of it. To me, that was perfect. That was a good move by Gar Pax. I'll give them that. To me, that was a good move because you just wanted to see what Jabari was going to be. Why not? Um, but yeah, honestly, if they trade him to the Knicks and the Knicks give us a couple second round picks, I'm fine with it. Let's just tank. Let's get down. You got to remember the Bulls don't value second round picks. It's not going to matter. Also, <laughs> the the issue that that I have with the whole Jabari situation is not that they signed him. If you all recall, I lauded the signing. I thought it was a good gamble because if he turned out to be somewhere near what he was or what he had the potential to be. You won. If he didn't, like you said, it was a, it was a one year, one hit a quitter. But the fact that you are continuing to, and that he wants to continue to, try to be an NBA small forward, and you and this idea still floats around that he's an NBA small forward. He can't play the position. He can't consistently make the outside shot, and his ability. He eats too much. And his ability to. To stay in front of anyone with with any quickness whatsoever, trash, is at zero. Of course. And now, of course, he's moping. And now he's sick, quote unquote, over these past few games. He's moping. He's been moping all year. Yeah, that's, that's a lie. Boiling now has put him, you know, in the doghouse. He's not playing at all. What do you hope to accomplish there? Talking about his conditioning. So, so now you're saying we want to move Jabari Parker, and now you're not playing him. Do you understand the backwards mentality of this team? Yeah. Again, yeah. I hearken back to this. Why is Justin Holiday still here? Why is Robin Lopez still here? What are you trying to accomplish? Why haven't you moved these pieces? Well, if they want something valuable back, I would try to wait until I can maybe package them together to a team that's playoff contending or to one of the elite teams along with someone else. And maybe then you could get maybe a late first rounder or free up some money. 
you know, if, if I was a business person, I would I would do it like that. But if that's not available, yeah, then then it doesn't make any sense why they're still on this roster. I mean, I'm not, not getting much for them. I mean, Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday are, are decent, serviceable players here or there. But, I mean, both of them together, they may be fortunate to get, like, a couple of second-round picks, maybe maybe a player. But just get rid of them. Like I said, they need to embrace the tank. Once they embrace the tank, we can celebrate Zion in May. That's what I want. Give me Zion. You know the boys are going to get the third pick, right? Uh, okay. I, I, I really am getting tired of talking about Well, the you know what? The, the draft is interesting this year, though, because I think it's the first three, the bottom three teams got the same percentage chance in terms of getting the top pick. Yeah. So it's really – you know, it depends on how, you know, if David Stern behind the scenes may be throwing some dice in there for New York. I don't know, but, you know. Man, the Bulls are going to have the worst record in the league and they're going to draft 12. <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> they don't have. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you keep thinking that. Thinking it was possible. When we if, they, if they do get the worst record, the worst they can get is fifth because there's only the top four uh, is going to be the lottery is for the top four picks. Okay, so since it's so impossible, answer me this one question. Should we have honestly gotten Derrick Rose? <laughs> I mean, we could have got Derrick Rose this season, but we we all thought, and I, I have to say myself, I thought D. Rose was on the downward spiral. And uh, no, 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 no. No, I don't think you're hearing me. You, I, I, maybe I should have been more clear. I'm talking about when he got drafted. Should we have been able to draft Derrick Rose? With the first pick, should we have gotten the well, first? I pick? mean, based on percentages, we had a very small. What was it one point seven percent chance? And we got uh, it was something like that, right? Yeah. I mean, but you know uh, that. <laughs> I'm be honest with you, man. That I don't know, but that could have had something to do with maybe they say, "Hey, that's a good story." Chicago kid going to Chicago, number one overall pick. Why not? You know, mm-hmm. be the Patrick mm-hmm. Ewing New York thing. Who knows? Maybe a frozen envelope. I don't know, but. Or LeBron to Cleveland. Uh, yeah, I think mm-hmm. if you got it, if you give yourself a chance, because honestly, I want Zion Williamson, but RJ Barrett is just as much as a dog. So, I'll take either one of them. My preference is RJ Barrett because he he's very Kobe. He's very selfish. He's man. He's like a left-handed Kobe, ain't he? He wants it, man. You can see the hunger. No, I mean, I mean Zion. Zion is an athletic freak. Like, that's that's. Did that's you see lightning. him hit his hand? Did you see him hit his head on the backboard? Yeah, that that. Yeah, I'm fascinated <laughs> by that. I'm I'm more disappointed in him. He's young. People have jumped that high and know not to hit their head on the backboard. That that, that bothers me a little bit. <laughs> hey, he wants to show you. Listen, man, I could touch the back of that square up there with my head. <laughs> that's yeah, how other people, people could too. No, not to jump into the backboard. But RJ is very Kobe. Oh, man. And I'm going to love watching Zion Williamson play with Trey Young in Atlanta. That would be nice. I I will not lie. That would be a nice little start to that team. So here's my question with that, though. With Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett, Right now, who would you compare them to? We kind of already talked about RJ Barrett looking like like, uh, Kobe. Who in the NBA or in NBA of, of old would you say Zion plays to me? like? 
Zion is a combination. He is as if Zion is to me as if Charles Barkley and Sean Kemp had a kid. Hmm. Okay. You think about it. Okay. I forget about Sean Kemp. That dude was a beast. And he jumped out the gym and he was 6'10. And Barkley had that wide bottom. He was 6'6. And he could bring the ball up the court and do a little bit of everything, round, mount, and rebound. You throw – and then you look at Zion, man. He's more athletic than both of those dudes. He's scary. I say – I got half of that. I got half of that fusion, so that's interesting you said Charles. I got Charles in there, but it's somebody else that I'm – Who's your fusion? I want to see what what, what Chris thinks. What what you got, Chris? I say uh, LeBron and Zach Randolph. Hmm. I, I get the LeBron. I don't know about a Zach. He, he's not as post savvy as Zach, but I'm, I'm sheerly looking at the low center of gravity, the ability to use both hands, the left handedness for for Zach Randolph. He, but he's nowhere near as post savvy as Zach is. I mean, Zach, despite the fact he had limited athleticism, you could put anybody on Zach, and he was going to be able to get a bucket on that block. That's true. Uh, That's just true. the athleticism of LeBron and just that low center of gravity with Zach Randall. Okay. What's your opinion? Makes sense. I got I got Charles Barkley and Dominique Wilkins. Okay. I can see that. And you know what? Honestly, I see that more than any other comparison. Honestly, I don't see the LeBron comparison. I'm going to tell you, I think it's more of a hype factor as to why he's being compared to LeBron. But I think if you look at it this way, he doesn't have the ball handling skills LeBron has, nor the court vision LeBron has. And those are like two of his main features is his handles and his his court vision. I mean, he got the athleticism, but that's about it, in my opinion. Yeah, the way as powerful as Dominique was with the dunks, that's what I kind of compared to. He was just always trying to uh, really murder the rim, just abuse the rim. And Charles Barkley was that way too. And the power behind both of them, and the athleticism that Charles showed, despite how big and wide he was, and his rebounding ability, that 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 is where I kind of get those two comparisons. But you see, just the fact that we have to fuse two players together, that means we ain't never seen nothing like this. But RJ, man, I see a lot of fifty thing, RJ. Because let's say you need a shot, you need a shot to win a game. Yeah, you, you, you don't go think to? he can develop that, man? You know, you left-handed people, y'all, y'all can shoot any. I'd rather have it already inside of a person. That's like saying, okay, give me Ben Simmons over Paul George. Like, if I want a shot, I'm taking Paul George. If I want somebody that I can kind of develop, I'll take Ben Simmons. But how long is Ben Simmons going to take to hit one one three point? And what's being what's being lost in all of this is that. You know, people rant and rave about Zion's athleticism. R.J. Baird is athletic. It's not like he's mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, he, he is. Shots too, man. He takes a lot of shots. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. He takes a lot of shots because everybody else is cowering up. I'm fine with it. He is a dog, though. I ain't going to lie to you. I, I I was really hyped on both of these players when they came in Duke. But um, 
I was a little bit more with Zion only mainly. I think it's because, you know what? I think Zion might have us all in the palm of his hands because he's doing something that no one has ever seen. A 6'6", 280-pound man hitting his head on backboards is amazing. It's like, wow, look at that. Look at look at him go. Look at that roller coaster. But, you know, R.J. Barrett may be boring because you've seen that before, Michael, Kobe. You know, you, you, you've seen that type of player before. Even He may be even more compared to DeMar DeRozan in a way. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. he's more boring, and I think that's what, what gets lost in that. But you know who else was boring? Tim Duncan. I was just <laughs> – I thought you was going T-Mac. I was going to say T-Mac looked boring and looked like he was sleepy, but that oh, man sure could kill you. I love T-Mac. That was one of my favorite players. T-Mac, no, T-Mac was cold. I'm just saying he didn't give as many highlight plays. To me, T-Mac wasn't the most athletic. Like if you're talking about know, a Vince Carter. Uh, which, what? He was in the same dunk contest with Vince. What? T-Mac was crazy athletic. He was ridiculous. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, look, hold on. I'm not saying he was Zach Randolph. I'm saying he wasn't as athletic as Vince Carter. DeMar DeRozan is athletic. But the question is, who is – but see, the question is, who is as athletic as Vince Carter? Nobody dunks like that dude. Um, He's the greatest dunker ever. So here's my concern with, with Zion, too. Okay. Athletic, too. Um, I have nothing to prove for or against this. But I'm worried about, like, his drive mm-hmm. to stay fit and to grow his game. Yeah, that can go down quick. Because he has he has fat body. Like, he's got <laughs> – you know like if, if he goes to the wrong city and finds the wrong restaurant – it could go downhill. And we'll put him on the grub report. <laughs> you know, I hear that. I, I, I hear you, Chris. I hear you, Chris. But you know, this 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 is what I'm looking at, right? I'm I'm gonna be devil's advocate to to your point. I feel like he is motivated to be the best. Like I watch almost I've watched the majority of Duke's games that's aired on TV and I feel like this dude got a drive that and a hunger that I don't see in neither of those. I, I think R.J. Barrett is there. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like his his hunger, his drive to be the best is, is maybe just a little bit more, I feel like, man. Like, you should see the way how this dude second, third jumps after rebounds, man. Like, he goes after it, bro. And I'm telling you, if he feels and he knows – Okay, I'm coming into the league. I'm already going to be the most dominant player to come into the league. You realize that when he gets drafted, he's probably going to be the most dominant player already just from the fact that he's 280 and athletic like that. No one else is doing that. LeBron is probably the closest, and LeBron ain't 280. Nobody. I I will say this. I I I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the middleman. You got the good guy, the middleman, and the devil's advocate. So I hear what you're saying, Calvin. If he does stay in shape and he stays motivated, then yeah, the sky's the limit for him. But it can go downhill easily if that dude starts getting a taste of the NBA life and gets comfortable and saying, okay, I, everybody loves my dunks. He doesn't develop his game. He sees no need to do that. He becomes a highlight. He becomes Josh Smith. 
and then just trails off because the older you get, your athleticism is not going to matter. And that's why when you appreciate people like a Derrick Rose who changed his game up, when athleticism leaves, eventually you're going to have to figure out a way to still be be important in the game of basketball. That's why Vince Carter is still playing for as long as he has. He changed his game up. He developed it. He added to it. So over the over these course of years, when, when Zion can't, can't jump out the gym and hit his head on backboards anymore, is he going to sit on the bench? Is he going to retire? at an early age because he, he's not he's not good? Or is he going to develop his game and get a shot, get a, a consistent shot, shoot good for, uh, a good free throw percentage, you know, learn how to get, get a, be a better facilitator, learn how to get uh, more people involved in the game? You know, is he going to build on his game? I'm not going to over-scrutinize the kid, but, but here's, here's my thing with Zion. I love him. If he ends up in, in red and black, you know, I'm, I'm watching for the highlights. Yeah. Remember LeBron when he came in as like 260? There was a difference in the body. Like if you look at Zion's 280, it's not a LeBron 260. Like when LeBron, people told you LeBron was 260, maybe even 270, you were like, hmm, really? There was right. muscle density there. Like Zion is crazy athletic and crazy strong, but it's not that cut. That cut up. It's like it's like a cushioning around the muscle. So, you know, an NBA, an NBA gym, an NBA practice facility, he could cut up real quick. And, and if he's got that drive, you know, he'll fix it real soon. Because I don't think he can thrive at 280 past year two. But if he's not careful, that fluff can get fluffier and fluffier, and he's gonna be fat shot. It's definitely possible, you know. I just feel like, man, um, at the same token, you know, it could, you're right, it can go either way. It really can go either way because we don't know this guy's real true drive and and ambition. But, oh, man, it's just, it's it's scary to see what he can be because it's, if he can just, if he can just develop an outside shot, it's over. It's oh, yeah. over because nobody's going to have to guard him. You know, he's going to have to get past, and, and, and I'm going to dispute you there. He's going to have to get past when he gets to the next level. He may be in the same boat as you, maybe think no one can guard him. On the NBA level, you have the Ron Adams of the world and the Tom Thibodeaus of the world and the Quinn Snyders of the world. And they're going to watch endless film on this kid. And he's going to have to go through those tough times where he's going to step on that court and he's going to try to do something that Zion Williamson does. And an NBA defense is going to be ready for that. Because, yes, Zion Williamson is fascinating as he's jumping at the gym, 45-inch vertical, doing it at a 6'7", 280. But Andre Drummond is 6'10", 280. They can do some of those things. He's going to get into the league and, and try some of the things that he's trying on South Carolina high school kids and college kids. And he's going to do it on many nights. But it's going to be some nights yeah. he's not going to do it. Or you may come across that dirty dude <laughs> in the league. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Give him a good hand. 
So now, how are you gonna bounce back off of that? Because you're in high school, yeah. ain't nobody doing that to that dude. You, he the biggest dude out there. He won't be the biggest dude out there. <laughs> He's not intimidating. In fact, people might be gunning for him. They could. <laughs> They could, they could, but you, you, you know what, too, though, um, and 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 that's that's true. That that's that's all very uh, viable. What now you saying that it makes me think of his position. He's a power forward. Is he still a power forward in the NBA? And if so, the Bulls ain't gonna draft him. Well, he's what the Bulls aren't gonna draft him because they're gonna get the third pick. What 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 he's, is his height? I is think he six, he's eight? like six six legit. They just give him six seven. He's six seven. So then you're talking about somebody that's that's like a Carlos Boozer type when when it comes to that height. That's not happening. That man go, is going to have to play small forward. But he his game is like a power forward, bro. Not small ball. He's, he's not this this league is is becoming very position agnostic. Is the I mean in some cases yeah. Like when you look at Jabari Parker, because he's just limited. But the athletic freak that Zion is, he can play a, a four and and still a four or a three and still be a viable threat if you have the right pieces working around. Well, well, here's my thing: if he actually does get drafted by the Bulls, hypothetically, you got Chris Dunn, Zach Levine. If the if the team stays as it is, Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, Zion. Laurie Wendell. He's not going to play that four or five, quote-unquote, position. I know the, the league is getting positionless, and that's why Ben Simmons is running point. And you got Adekumpo sometimes running the point guard, a little fusion there. But if you get, if you put him on the pulse, he's going to play that technically small forward position. He's not going to start over Laurie or Wendell. He's going to play beside them. You just roll the ball out and put five guys out there, man. Man, I'm 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 excited about the 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 potential of this dude, but I ain't gonna lie to you. Like I said, now I know I was playing devil's advocate, but I am a huge fan of R.J. Barrett. I do see a lot of Kobe in this kid. This kid is six foot seven, maybe six eight, athletic, and can dunk, can shoot the ball. He's left handed. He's left handed. I'm a fan of left-handed players, man. I don't know what it is, Jordan. I, I, I'm I'm envious of you, bro, because you left-handed. Like I, it's so it's, it's uh, uh. Oh God! Come Maybe. on, man! Don't put me in the same. How you gonna make me regurgitate at the same time I'm speaking? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's oh, gross. I got beef. I got beef with lefties. Go ahead. I got envy. Uh, I got more envy with lefties. I, I'm just jealous of the fact that I'm not left-handed when I'm playing basketball. But uh, it's some it's something beautiful about watching a left-handed Tony Kukoc shoot a three-pointer, or seeing James Harden travel before he shoots his three-pointer. Man, it's like something about that is just pretty to me. So I don't know. Left-handers with skill. That's that's the beautiful thing. Yes. You can't just be left-handed. You just can't. Throw random left-handed move on the court. And- exactly. That's why I named the left-handed players I named. Like, like James Harden, man. I, I I hate James Harden only because the refs let him get away with everything and 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 they let him travel. But the dude's game when he, he it's it's kind of beautiful to watch. It is. It is. 
It Charms is. irritates me. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Speaking of beautiful things to watch, the Chicago Bears have performed oh, yes. beautiful feats of football over these past few weeks. <laughs> They've taken out the best team in the NFC at the time. We're tied for the best team in the NFC. Yes, sir. Rams did that pretty easily. And, mm-hmm. and then they fulfilled Chaos Prophecy. Oh, Lord. I said after game one, circle your calendars for December 16th. Circle your calendars for December 16th. And apparently, Akeem Hicks and the boys, they circled their calendars for December 16th. They heard us. They heard you, Chris. Twice. (laughs) And they broke Aaron Rodgers in half. That's right. Leonard Floyd almost broke him in half. That's what he get for talking trash. It was beautiful to watch, man. (sighs) The relentless pressure coming from the right places. The outside pressure Mm -hmm. kept Aaron Rodgers in the pocket and then just collapsing the pocket on him. The things that that Khalil Mack does to an offensive lineman, (laughs) one – if if I'm a left tackle, I'm going home, man, and, I, and I'm curling up in a ball, and I'm crying. <laughs> you go, you go, you go, call your mom like Khalil messing with me. Have today. you seen the things he's doing to grown men? Realize too, too, Chris, he's only like I've seen him stand next to Dwayne Wade at a Bulls game. He's only like six four. He's only like 260. Oh, this dude is beautiful. He's beautiful. He's yeah. a beautiful man. That is a beautiful man. man the, 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 first of all, they dubbed it the Mac back sack. All I got to say is when you can sack somebody by pushing your weight onto them, not even looking at them, that's not only is that cocky, but that is just beautiful. I said to myself, how did – how did Khalil Mack juke Aaron Rodgers into a sack? That was beautiful. He juked him. He backed it up on him. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> he juked him. I said, how did he just back up on Aaron Rodgers and sack him? This man is great. I'm telling you, I don't care what Aaron Donald do this year. This man is defensive player of the year. You can book it. My thing that I, I, I like about what Mack has done is – Coming in the door, he showed respect because he understood that he was going to be a part of something great because he was joining something that was already very good. Make no mistake about it. That Bears defense coming into this year was already considered to be one of the top defenses in the league. That's why it was so frightening when he got here. Yeah. Hicks was a pro bowler last year who just didn't get his just due. Exactly. He got snubbed. Yeah. What do we see going on, man? You see – Leonard Floyd, who, who, as Vic Fangio said, he said, when Leonard gets the cast off and gets going, yep. so we'll see what happens. Now this defense is flat out scary. You got pressure coming up the middle from Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Roy Robertson Harris. You got Floyd and Mack on the ends. You got Trevathan and Roquan Smith roaming the middle of that defense. And Roquan Smith is a very capable blitzer. Oh, my God. 
the secondary. Fuller is catching interceptions. Eddie Jackson is the newest incarnation of Ed Reed. I called it. I told you. All is. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Everywhere the ball goes is where this dude is. And then it's electricity after that. Anything can happen. So let's just hope we get him back for the playoffs. Defense is yeah, yeah, he'll be, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Sit out a few games. Hopefully, by some chance, by some hope, we can get that second seed. And uh, L.A. loses, hopefully, and uh, we can sit out a week, and that'll give him an extra week of uh, relaxation and recuperation. But uh, I got to go back to just giving props to Leonard Floyd. You mentioned all the, all the players, man. Just broke them all down very perfectly. I have to give props – and respect to Leonard Floyd, because in the beginning of the season, I said to myself, Leonard Floyd is not living up to his draft stock. He is not living up to what we thought he would do. And then he got hurt a little bit. He got dinged up here and there. And like you said, when he got that cast off, Leonard Floyd came to play. And I just had a discussion with somebody this morning. One of our boys who listens to the show, my boy, Eric, our boy, Eric, he said, he doesn't think Leonard Floyd is still doing anything. And I'm like, you can't look at Leonard Floyd's sack numbers and just say all because he only has a few sacks here, a few sacks there, that he's still not doing as good as we thought he would. You have to look at his complete game. Leonard Floyd is actually a very good coverage defensive end. He he's, he stepped out. He's covered slot. He's covered running backs. And does and does a pretty good job at it. Does a very good job at it. You know, so there's there's more to his game than just trying to attack the quarterback. Yeah, we want to see the sacks, we want to see the pass deflections, we want to see the forced fumbles like you see from Akeem and 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 Khalil. But hey, they got that down pack. They got that, they already got that wrapped up in a book. Leonard Floyd is doing his thing his way, and he's still impacting the game in different ways. So you got you can't underappreciate that. I gotta give props to Leonard Floyd. They ended that. Trash interceptionless streak that Aaron Rodgers has. We should have we should have gave him his first one back in week one. Took the words out of my mouth. Yep that that should have ended a long time ago, and that that would have been a win. You know what? I'm glad the Bears lost that first game, man, because I feel like it gives the Bears perspective. You know, you see that what we what we went up against was a villain. Aaron Rodgers is a villain to Chicago, right? We never beat him. We only strive to. We fight. We fight. We claw. And this dude still finds a way to slip out of our grasp every time. He's a he's a villain. And we had that opportunity. We needed that whole game. Aaron Rodgers got hurt, and everything was looking bright. And then Aaron Rodgers came back, and then he, then he threw the ball right in the hands of Cal Fuller, and he drops it. So you know what that makes Cal Fuller say? I'm not I'm not gonna drop another pass like that for the rest of the season. And now this man is leading the league in interceptions, bro. Like I'm glad that game happened. I think it made the defense better. If you ask me. Turning point. Big time. Yes, my it it was you saw Aaron Rodgers afraid. You saw Jared Goff a couple weeks ago afraid yep. of his defense and the, the heat and the pressure that was coming. And there was nothing they could do. Nothing. 
you remember the Super Bowl when uh, Von Miller was just in Cam Newton's left pocket the whole game, or right yeah. pocket the whole game? That's the, the picture I got with Khalil Mack this past Sunday with Aaron Rodgers. It was just like, I know you're good. I've heard you're good. Let's see what you can do when I'm sacking you four times today. Every time you look up, I'm there. It's a game changer, man. It's a game changer. And this defense is set up to be good for quite some time. You got to try to keep Vic. You know, Vic's going to get some offers thrown his way. You got to try to keep some sort of continuity with this defense. Yeah, you got to. For a long time. Yeah. The offenses, they, they're catching up. They're not as proficient, but they're catching up. Mitch had a solid game against the Packers. It's a champion that wins. So let me ask you let me, let me ask y'all though, what if now we know what's gonna happen, right? These, this defense is unlike any other defense in the league, right? So the Bears are probably going to at best win their first game if they're the third seed. So it's a lot of attention spotlighted on Vic Fangio and what they're doing with the defense. He's going to get a head coaching offer, and let's say he accepts it. Would you be open to, let's say, what if the Panthers let go of Ron Rivera? Would you would you be open of taking him back as our defensive coordinator? Well, there's been talk. There's been talk of Todd Bowles, actually, because the speculations that the Jets are going to fire him. And I guess Todd Bowles and uh, Nagy go back a ways. So they're saying if it goes, Bowles will just step in. Hmm. All I can say is defensive philosophy. I'm fine with it. Yeah. You can just prop up from within, man. There's a lot of guys uh, within the coaching staff, secondary coaches and things like that, that they retain. Yeah. You know, they could just step right in. Yeah. Yeah, that's true too. But I, I and my first preference would be keep keep Vic Fangio. I think he's the highest paid defensive coordinator right now. Hey, if he needs the money, give him the money. Try to keep this as consistent as possible. That way, you can have years upon years of success and and taking more bites out of the apple of of getting to that Super Bowl and winning it all. Um, and sometimes that's the name of the game. You may have the talent, but if you keep changing things around. You know, while, while you're in your window of, of, of success, yeah, it might not go as, as well as you may think. So I would say, you know, my preference is to keep Vic Fangio right here in Chicago. Yeah. Um, you can't replace that, right? Because, like you said, I think he's the reason for the defense turnaround as it is, and he keeps the players together. But you know what? Honestly, I do think that it's possible that if you had to replace them, like you said, you could hire within. I mean, I feel like this whole team is just bought into the cause, man. Like, you have watched on YouTube the Bears celebration after every game. It looked like a club scene. Like, these dudes dudes, dudes love playing for each other, man. Like, they love playing for each other. And I've never seen a Bears team like this. At least I'm 33 years old. I was born the year the Bears won the last Super Bowl in 85. And I didn't get a chance to see, you know, those monsters of the midway. But this team is fun, man. Like, this fun to watch them play, man. And uh, I, I just hope we stick together, man. It's, it's, it's great times to be a Bears fan again, man. Yeah, I, I remember those teams back then, and it was 
it was really at a point, and, and I hope this team can get us back there as fans. It was at a point where every year you knew your team was good and you knew that when the playoffs came around, you were going to be in the playoffs or right there, you know, with a chance at the playoffs, you know, with that football team. I mean, the Bears around that time from like 84 to 88, 89, right before Dick got fired, the Bears were perennial division winners, playoff teams. So that was a fun time for me. And then you had the personalities on the team to make it fun. So, you know, as fans, I want to see the Bears get back to that. I just feel like it, 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 fun is the key word. And, and not to the extent where it's like childish and, you know, you just being too – I think they have the right type of fun because if you think about it, you come to work. You come to your normal job. Say you're working a nine-to-five. You come into the office – do you honestly want to want to face a, a, a manager or a boss who's a micromanager? You can tell as soon as you see him, they have an angry disposition. They're always uptight. They're always trying to look over your shoulder, not petting you on your back when you're doing well, just wants to see you do more. Okay, you made this quota. Okay, do more for me. Okay, you want to do? Okay, do more. It, it's just, you know when you can feel a person motivating you, inspiring you, making you want to do more. That's the type of person Nagy was as soon as he stepped into Chicago and Susie became the coach of the Bears. And on, if you notice on the, 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 the play call chart, the, the, uh, the uh, play chart that he has, there's an expression. It says, be you. And they mentioned that in one of the games, I think one of the nationally televised games, they actually brought that out where it reminds him himself, hey, be yourself. Call the plays be innovative, be creative. Don't try to shy back because everybody thinks, oh, well, you're a new coach. You don't need to do all these crazy plays, even if they don't work. That's why you see all these crazy plays with D Lyman being in for for, for touchdowns and, and Akeem Hicks being the second coming of, of Refrigerator Perry. You know, this team is just fun. And he's 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 advocating that. He's advocating fun. He's expressing himself. He wants everybody else to be themselves. No matter how old you get. When a person lets you be you, when a person motivates and inspires you, it just puts an extra pep in your step. And you can see that all the time. Yeah, they've, they've exceeded expectations, man. I mean, I we had them here on the podcast as a playoff team. And they, they're going to – they've already won the division. They may tack on a couple more wins. And it's, it's going to be a, a high win NFL season for these Chicago Bears. Let me ask you a question, though. All right, so I think we all appreciate Matt Nagy and what he brings to the table, and I feel like Nagy brings something that's completely different in terms of his play scheme and things that he does. But in the playoffs, there's going to be times when maybe some of those trick plays may not work. And let's say what if he does some of them trick plays. Will we still be uh, cheering on Matt Nagy and still be in his corner because – hey, yeah, he does something different, but, man, what if one of those trick plays don't work and it costs you a game and a plan? I wonder how, you know, the Chicago fans could be fickle, man. I wonder how we are. Like, will we still be, like, you know, riding his coattails or what? Here's my, my, my only rebuttal to that is, how do you feel when any play doesn't work? It doesn't matter if it's a trick play or if it's a normal play, if it's a screen pass, if Trubisky himself throws it uh, uh, on a bad angle to – Think, oh, that's just an easy pass. How did you not make that target? And he 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 doesn't place it uh, right where the catcher can get it, right where the receiver can get the ball. I just think 
any any bad play initially is going to make you feel like, ah, oh, come on, we should have had that. Or what were you thinking? And then after a while, like I give you an example, the 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 fake punt when they gave the ball to Benny Cunningham. I'm like, when I first saw that, like, what is this? That would that didn't make any sense at all. And they kind of gave it away because uh, the 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 punter was on the side. He wasn't even in line with the uh, with the snapper to get the ball. You know, when they hike it straight back to you, he was on the side. So it was almost as if they kind of telegraphed that play. But after I got through with my temper tantrum for like 10 minutes, I'm like, okay, hey, I want Nagy to continue to do what he's doing because you've seen when it has been successful. When we came back and almost won against the, uh, I want to say the Giants, that last play when Tariq Cohen threw it to Anthony Miller. I'm like, man, I did not see that coming. I, I In my mind, I'm like, okay, we finna lose right here. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we almost got close, but we finna lose it. And when he did that, I'm like, wow, that was creative. They didn't know what to expect on that play. I think he has a grasp of I've, – I've not – I mean, that, that play against the Giants, that was kind of a big play, but it was still, what, second down? I don't, I don't think we've seen Nagy – no, that was the end of the game. That was the last play of the game before they tied it up for overtime. No, but they would have had another play. It wasn't at the buzzer. It was no, that, was that was it, bro. When Tariq Cohen threw it to Anthony Miller, that was the last play of the of the fourth quarter to tie the game up. Yeah, that tied the game. I know it tied the game, but there was no time left after that? No, no time. I think maybe a couple of seconds, but like it was no time for them to do anything. Okay. Maybe we can go back and refer back to that later. But I, I, I could have sworn it was literally the last play of the game. But I mean that that aside, that aside from from what I call in this season, I don't recall Nagy getting too cute in tight spots. Like it, it may be you know something where he'll, it, it may be a pivotal moment when you look back, but in the actual moment, you're not thinking, man, you know. Hmm. This could go one way or the other. And then, I mean, yeah, to, yeah. what trumps all of that is he truly feels like he has a defense that gives him margin for error. And, yeah. I, and I think that plays a big part in some of the things he does when he knows that if I slip up, I trust my, my defensive guys to get us out of this. That's a good point. Yeah. He kind of has more confidence because he knows he has more room for error when the defense is scoring touchdowns and the defense is just killing everybody in sight. So real quick, guys, I just looked it up. That touchdown was three seconds left in the game when they hiked the ball, so it was no time left. It was a touchdown right when it expired. It is. Okay. Yeah, but, but, I mean, it, it's just, that was just a ballsy play. Like you call that, you don't call a normal pass. You you call something where it just kind of gets the defense off of their directional, you know, what you know, whatever the defense is seeing. They're going one way, then they're going another. Then he throws it. You got Tariq Cohen, mind you, who has the ball in his hands. So you don't know if he's going to try and get a little opening somewhere and try to run it in, but he he, he decides to throw it to Anthony Miller coming across the middle. And why it, it was it was perfect. It was I'm just perfect. looking at the replay now. Like like guys' hands were up, and it could have if he had to just threw it a little bit to the left, that ball would have got knocked down. Game over. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it, it helps too. And as you all pointed out, 
guys get excited when they know they're a part of this. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and they're gonna they're gonna for the most part execute because it's like when is Tariq Cohen gonna get a chance to do that again? You never know, but he doesn't know either. So it's like, hey, I better execute this, you know, and guys look forward to getting that touchdown pass. Now Tariq Cohen has a game winning touchdown pass or game time touchdown pass in the clutch on his resume. You know, so guys love those types of things. You know, you, you hear about the defensive players when they hear that they're going to be part of the, the, the game plan this week. Uh, the offensive lineman that caught the touchdown against the Rams, you know, he told his, his family that he was in the playbook and he asked his daughter to teach him a touchdown dance. So, you know, guys get, get pumped up for stuff like that. So that helps the execution too. And it's all about the team morale. Yeah, we as fans may get upset, but, you know, that's part of, of Nagy's way of, of showing that He's got confidence in, in guy one down to guy 53. There you go. The confidence of the Chicago White Sox this offseason is nothing short of impressive. Ooh. They have courted both Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. So here's the question. Should White Sox fans, and I don't know how Calvin stands. I know I'm, I'm a White Sox fan. He's I'm a White Sox fan. I'm with you. I'm the I'm the difference maker here. Should White Sox fans feel like it's a failure if neither one of those guys come to the White Sox? No, it's not a failure. I, I put it like this, right? You already have this stigma of being on the South Side. You have a team that's on the opposite side of town, town that's more popular, has more fans. And have won a World Series so recently. So, yeah, you know, if we, I feel like just the fact that we're one of the top three teams for this guy and Manny Machado, and the fact that he's even considering in comparison to maybe even the Cubs, I think this is a win in itself. And at the end of the day, they, they had their meetings, right? They all had their meeting. He, he met with the White Sox, he, he met with the, with the Yankees. And then he met with the uh, Phillies, right? Right. And so he's not making any decision yet. He said, I'm going to I'm I'm wait till January. I'm going to let you all know. But at the end of the day, we're going up against the Yankees, <laughs> who ain't got nothing but money to blow. And the Phillies are an up-and-coming team that is a little bit further ahead than the White Sox. So, no, I'm, I'm not upset if, if we don't get uh, Manny Machado. And at the end of the day, I feel like Bryce Harper is waiting to see where Manny signs so then he can say, all right, cool. You gave him uh, $350 million, I want $360 million. You know what I mean? That, it's just all a domino effect. And, and, and everybody's waiting on Manny. But, yeah, while Jordan's over there huffing and puffing, I, I think it's a great time to be a white person. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, quite quite simply put, I mean, you have an up-and-coming team with a very good farm system. And, you know, if you look on the north side of town, and by the way, and this is – and I don't know what fans we have so far on this podcast, but uh, hopefully yeah. somewhere too sensitive. But, you know, the Cubs are located in a certain type of town that is uh, close to them. <laughs> uh, no. I want to stop you right there. Um <laughs> 
time to be a Sox fan because of things like this is happening. <laughs> I just know that Jordan would be so appreciative because he lives so close to the White Sox Stadium. I think you pass him up every day for work, by the way. When you see our banner in the sky that we're going to be 2021 champions, how will, how will fans feel then? I don't know, you know? I don't know. It hasn't happened yet. I don't, I don't so, know. What's your? I mean, I'm sure Jordan. We're not even in 2020, 2019 uh, yet. I don't know. Jordan, give fair and honest analysis, as it's been the tradition here on the Stay House Podcast. And I, Absolutely. Analysis. It may not be what it may not be what Cup fans want to hear, <laughs> but it's been fair, honest, and, and it's truthful. And it's also what White Sox fans may not want to hear. You know, it, okay. First, well, am, am I am I good to go? We're am waiting for your Fox News rhetoric. <laughs> is, is, as long as you, I mean, let me let me tie up. And, are we on the air? You just have to be as accurate about our team as I have been about yours. <laughs> is, is this line <laughs> Chicago's team? By the way, that's <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. Uh so is it a win if Bryce Harper? And Manny Machado don't come here, but you like the fact that they gave you the respect and grace of actually just having a sit down. Is that a win? Hmm. No, that's not a win. What what world are we living in where, oh, we'll take the pity win? Oh, yeah, you sat down with us. Yeah, they sat down with you all because you will have the money. If the White Sox shell out all of their money, then of course somebody's going to come because if a person prefers money over winning or prefers money over anything else or location of living or whatever, yeah, sure. Then the White Sox probably have one of the best uh, destinations when it comes to that. Sure, Rick Hahn is probably going to, in my, in my assumption, may get one of those guys, if not both. Hey, if they get both, I am I am happy for White Sox fans. I've said this before. There is no hate in my heart. I do not hate the White Sox. I am just a Cubs fan. I love Chicago sports. I love Chicago teams. It's been a long time since me and Chris have butted head on anything. We've been a pretty, you know, uh, uh, even-keeled podcast for quite a while now. But it kind of feels good to kind of rattle the cages a little bit. So, yes, 
I am happy to be a Cubs fan. I don't care if we're located in a very colorful area of the city or not. Too over there. A lot of flavor, a lot of different ethnicities and things of that nature. Rich. All right, all right. It's rich in culture, is what I'm saying. <laughs> but what I would also say is that, hey, the Cubs are not actually in a position. Honestly, this is my honest analysis. The Cubs are not actually in a position to do anything. Now, I don't know if that means they're just playing possum and, you know, somehow the Ricketts family comes up with some under the table money just to say, Hey, okay, we approve that you can kind of give out some more. Yeah. Maybe our salary cap doesn't allow it, but we'll give, we'll, we'll shell out some more because we really want Bryce to come here to this side of Chicago. I'm all for it. If we stand pat and we don't do anything, I'm all for that too, because the Cubs were actually very good without a healthy Chris Bryant last year, without a consistent Anthony Rizzo all season. And without a U Darvish. So it's almost like we're getting free agents back this year. You're getting a former MVP you know back to his, his, like, his You know you, you, you want to know who you sound like? Gar Pax. You sound like Gar Pax. Oh, we're getting a free agent back because he was injured. So now we're getting him back. He's a free agent. <laughs> How dare you compare me to the Bulldog office? I'd rather be with the Kings. Um, I don't know which low you want to step to. All I got to say is, um, you know. Go Cubs. Go. Um, you know, I, I just want to say this. You know, I, I, I am a Chicago fan, too. And through and through, I make jokes and I may, you know, make fun of the Cubs and only just to irritate Jordan. But I, I – I, I do feel that, you know, I've been watching the Cubs and, you know, they were a fun team to watch, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's just going to be good to see. You know, they said that Manny Machado spent the most time in Chicago when his visit, his first visit. And the White Sox was his first visit. So, you know, who knows? Maybe he chose the Sox as the first visit because he want to spend the most time here so he can get to know the team and the players. I mean, we have so much potential. Yes. <sighs> the yeah. Potential. All biasness aside, I am, and, and, and like, honestly, getting back to really just breaking down it, it realistically, if, if Manny Machado or Bryce Harper or both – happen to show up on the south side of Chicago, dude, I am watching as many games as possible. I'm a fan of baseball talent. So if you got them two and you got the other other up-and-coming players on the White Sox, then you get Kopech back. Then you get all the other players. You get a Rodon, who's, who's honestly going to be a very good pitcher in this league. You get all of those pieces going and flowing together. That is going to be a scary team. And then the farm system, and then you got uh, uh, Eloy. You're going to be a scary team. I agree. By 2020, 2021, if nothing happens as far as with health and injury and things do fall in in the right place as they look to be doing, I I think Chicago White Sox are going to be a top team for years to come. I am a little nervous about the Cubs because right now everybody else in the division is making moves. You just heard about the Los Angeles Dodgers trading Yasiel Puig and Matt Kemp and I believe somebody else to to the Reds for uh, Homer Bailey. So, you know, Los Angeles, by the way, is freeing up money. So they might actually be looking for a, a way into – actually, no, I'll take that back. They have the most money now to pay for a top free agent in the league. That That's what was said last time I heard. But you got St. Louis, who got Paul Goldschmidt and 
uh, 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 what's the reliever that's been killing everybody over the past five years? He was on Cleveland when the, when the Cubs went to the World Series. Yes, they got Andrew Miller, dude. Like, I am getting nervous. Uh, best believe the Cubs window, it it's still open, but it's kind of like kind of closing a little bit because everybody else around them in, in their own division is getting stronger stronger and stronger. The only team that really ain't got to worry about is Pittsburgh. They're a fire sale. But everybody else, watch out. So, so hey, we'll see. Brewers. You know, it's just um, – it could be a fun time to be a, a, a Chicago fan next year, man. I mean, you look at the potential of what we could be saying. Think about, think about this. In May of next year, what if we're saying World Series Chicago Bears – no, I'm sorry – Super Bowl champion Chicago Bears. What if we're saying mm. Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, or either or on the White Sox? And you still got a solid Cubs team. And what if we're saying, welcome to Chicago, Zion Williamson or RJ Barrett? Could, could you imagine the excitement in Chicago in May of next year, potentially? It'd be nice. I think even if we say welcome to Chicago, Zion or RJ, the Bulls are still going to us for a few more years. And, and, uh, and but you know the you know Chicago is getting the NBA All Star game in twenty twenty, so you know that that's excitement in itself. I mean, it's, it's will find a way to mess that up. They, they yeah. will. Yeah. They will. But you know, we, we haven't had one in a long time. You know, I, I'm I'm just looking forward to. Uh, you know, the economy booming here in Chicago, you know, when it happens. It would be good to to see uh, both of those guys here. But ultimately, I think that in the end, if you don't get them, uh, you don't lose much because you're still in the middle of your development. You can still continue on with that rebuild process. And then next year, Nolan Arenado becomes a free agent. And uh, <clears throat> you don't like Arenado? No, I think that's very, very good. If that's an under the radar move that they end up doing, that 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 is a very good and baseball player. He might be play. a better fit than Machado because you don't have to move as many pieces around. So we'll see what happens. If I'm being honest, a better all around player. Could in be. my opinion, could be. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. You don't you don't right. lose anything by by buying yourself another year and, and playing with the young guys one more year. Now, honestly, uh, this this episode, I've been waiting a couple weeks for this because we talked about the uh, my trip to Tennessee, which I enjoyed. Oh, I enjoyed to the point that I do wish to go back to Nashville on on a more long term basis. I was there for a purpose, and the purpose was accomplished. But I didn't really get to sightsee and kick it around as much as I would like to. So I'm going to go back, maybe get some of the fellas together, maybe get Stay Out's podcast down there, and you know, really, really, uh, really, really explore no. the space of the town. Yeah, I'm okay. One half of the Stay Out's podcast can represent. <laughs> so Jordan had a misadventure in Tennessee. Jordan, please relate that for us. Okay, so we we brought this up last week, and I kind of alluded to how, you know, on my honeymoon, when I first got married, we took a road trip. We didn't do the conventional thing, the, you know, take the plane, because we were supposed to meet the, uh, 
we were supposed to get on a cruise in Florida. And so I believe it was a Fort Lauderdale where it, it uh, shipped off. And we just decided to rent a truck and take a nice little road trip to our honeymoon, our cruise. And one of the states that we had to go through or cities, uh, yeah, state is uh, was Tennessee. Now, everything was perfectly fine because there was nowhere that we had to stop until we had to get gas. Obviously, you can't go from Chicago to Florida on one tank. So when I had to get gas, let's say it was uh, 2 a.m. in the morning, so pitch black. The expressway that we were on had very little lighting. So it almost sound seemed like somebody was setting us up to fail. I get off the expressway. I go to the nearest gas station that I saw, and the gas station was very dimly lit as well. You know, it's it, it was uh, if you can kind of picture it the way I explain it. Hopefully, you know, it's, it's it's it has the big awning over the top for for the gas pumps, and uh, pull apart. It, it, it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel right at all. So I get out the car. You know, I let my wife know, hey, you know, babe, I'm, I'm going to be right back. Just go inside, give them the cash, pump up. Nobody was outside there. There was nobody else in the in the gas station at first. I get in. There's a lady who was at the counter. And I could feel the tension as soon as I walked into the gas station, into the into the store. She's looking at me as if she saw a ghost. And I'm like, okay, apparently I don't understand where I'm at because I'm a Chicago boy. I don't know anything about how people feel in Tennessee about people like me. So give her the money. There's another guy that comes in dressed from head to toe in camouflage. His truck is, it it, it reminds you of the trucks that they had in Jurassic Park when they were going to hunt the dinosaurs, got the four lights up top. It's like a Jeep open back and and big tires. And it just didn't feel right. So I'm like, okay. So he gave me a look coming in. I was like, let me let me hurry up and put this gas in this truck and, and get on out of here. This is just this is not cool. I put the gas in the tank. I drive off. At the same time, the guy gets in his truck and drives off behind me. So I get on the expressway again. Remember, it's pitch black and I I'm I want to say I'm driving at least four or five miles and the guy's lights are still on me. He's still trailing. And so I just told my wife, I said, hey, um, put your seatbelt on. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to break some laws tonight. I'm going as fast as I can, man. When I say pedal to the metal pedal to the metal bro like i just i just kept going i didn't care if there was cop cars that were in like little little hideaway spots to catch me in the speed radar like i was gone i was gone and little by little his lights the guy stopped following me i don't know if i just outran him uh, uh, uh or he 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 technically didn't follow me and he just cut off on a certain lane i don't know what happened all i can say is i know the vibe that i got and it didn't feel good Understood. So uh, I have no qualms against ever visiting a place, but you you can kind of know when you're maybe not wanted somewhere. You can feel 
attention. And I, I, I would like to think that I'm, I'm a very good judge of my surroundings, you know, and just getting a good feel for people and their intentions or what they, what they kind of like and dislike. And uh, yeah, that particular area didn't seem like it wanted me there. So, well, us there, I should say. So we, we, we got out of Dodge. So when you go to Florida, um, let's say you got to go through Eastern Tennessee, which is a little more country, mount, a little more mountain, a little more country. Like Memphis, yeah. Nashville, that's more Western Tennessee. So that's yeah. a little more towards Indianapolis, uh, St. Louis over there. If you're going to Eastern yeah. Tennessee, you gas up in Indiana, and then you try to get to Georgia. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I know now, but uh, we won't be taking any more road trips to uh, for vacation anymore, unless it's just going in other areas. Like I, I learned a valuable lesson that night, and it, it, it nothing uh, uh, thankfully happened. And uh, you know, at all costs, I would have to just protect my wife at all costs, but uh yeah, it was that that was that was a little spine yeah, tingling. Kind of coincidence. I mean who knows, you know, we're glad that you and the wife are safe, but it could have been coincidence. That being said, Nashville was great. Um it's a great place to visit. I I really would you know if if you wanna go down there, Jordan, we will protect you. Whatever crew I put together We'll protect you. And um, Nashville ain't bad. So. I ain't, I ain't got no problems with self-defense. I just don't think I can defend uh, going up against a gun. I mean, yeah. I mean, those courses you took at the, at the Y <laughs> probably wouldn't defend you. You know, if I if I say hi a couple times, I don't think that's going to help. <laughs> that's not going to scare anybody, you know. Well, yeah, like, so... Going into Nashville, you're basically taking five. So it's it's actually, in my opinion, it's a solid, it's a solid pass through like three or four major cities. So you you're taking ninety four to sixty five. You hit Indianapolis, and then you hit Louisville, and then you hit Nashville, and a couple other cities along the way. Uh, along sixty five is where a lot of the uh, like the whiskey tours are. It will it will make for a solid road trip, I think. It's not Eastern Tennessee, so I think you you will get a different vibe. I mean, you, there's some places I'm sure you'll get that vibe. I mean, considering the country we live in, but yeah, it, it's probably just ways you can dodge that on 65 and going going through that route. Yeah, yeah, live and learn, live and learn. The highlight of. Uh, one of the highlights of my Nashville trip is part of our group report. Oh, yeah. Here we go. The Pancake Pantry. Man, that, that sounds like a place I want to live. Oh, yeah. I'm a pancake eater, baby. It's it's So we went there on a – because when we were down there, they had ice storms that morning, that Sunday morning. So we went down there. And they had their ice storms. We went to this place, the Pancake Pantry. Fortunately for us, my brother and I at the time, we had friends who uh, suggested this place and they were going to meet us there. So they had already gotten, made the reservation for seating. 
because it's great that they did that because when you get there, there is a line outside the door. Wow. It's it's like a little breakfast diner. And you get in there and they feed you. Like we we went there that morning and then we hit the road to come back, uh, come back home that evening. And I had food coming home with me because I didn't finish it all for breakfast. What I ordered was the pecan pancakes. Mm, okay. It's like a butter pecan pancake. It was delicious. Pancakes are, are cooked. are cooked into the pancakes. And yet the oh pancakes are moist. And it comes with a, a pecan compote on the side. So it's almost like a butter pecan compote mixed with their syrup. And then you get the syrup on the side. Oh, my goodness. And then you get the... um. Their hash browns aren't shaved per se. They're okay. like diced. They're diced and steamed. Okay. Cheese and onions on them, and uh, or you can just get them regular with with a good old salt and pepper seasoning. And that's what I ended up getting. So, so when you say we going to Tennessee, hey, hey, man, <laughs> I, I don't care about my story. <laughs> I'm mentally setting it up right now. I'm mentally setting it up right now. <laughs> so definitely gonna definitely gonna get that done. And we gotta hit the pancake pantry. There's some other places down there too that were recommended to me that I didn't get a chance to go to. We're gonna hit those spots too. But if you're ever in the Nashville area, it's over in the near the Vanderbilt campus. I think it's right across the street from Vanderbilt. The Pancake Pantry, you may or may not see Jay Cutler there. Wow. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll risk my life to to go eat some good food. It, it was just like they absorbed the syrup so well. So well. It was it was <sighs> a perfect balance because, you know, if you've got a good pancake, it absorbs just enough of the syrup and then leaves just enough on the side for that for that oh. slide in. Oh man! Rub. Oh my goodness! Come on, come on, man! Come on! That's a good description, right there. Well, now, 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 you know. Every time Calvin is on the podcast with us, we have to ask the question. Calvin, you know the question. Ask, ask Chris. Was it? No, 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 no. Was it the best? <laughs> Or was it the worst? The pancake pantry was the best. <laughs> no, 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 no. Was it the best? Chase, it was the best. <laughs> that was good. That was good. I heard a little bit more more oomph in your voice that time. <laughs> Man, that sounds amazing. Uh, I, I think I would love to go to the Pancake Pantry. Hit that spot up, everybody. Man, you have it in Tennessee. Calvin, what you got? All right. So for me, uh, it's kind of one of my one of my all time favorites. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm kind of not round and stinky. Oh, but okay. All right. Okay. I'm I'm one of uh I'm I'm kind of a romantic dude. So, you know, okay, I am a romantic dude. So, 
uh, one of the spots I've took it to my, taken my wife at least twice before is what's that address? Let me get you the exact address because I want you to know where it's at. You guys got to know where this is at. You see that, Jordan? Calvin's oh, I best believe I'm I'm prepared. Calvin is not an every week thing. Don't don't try and do me like that. I had it actually prepared this week. See, see, so, do your boy. So my one of my favorite restaurants. This place is this is probably in my top five favorite. It is oh, on 70, 71 West Monroe, downtown Chicago. Uh-oh. Chris, you familiar with the area? Oh yeah, and it's called. Italian Village Restaurant. Oh, this place is a gem in the city. Not only is it conveniently located a block away from the uh, famous Hamilton uh, Theater where they have the the play Hamilton. Uh, if you are in a nice going out to a nice play or a nice romantic evening, no other better way than to cap it off with Italian villages. For one, this place has three restaurants within the restaurant. Now, within each restaurant, there is a theme for each restaurant. It is authentic Italian food. So the first one that I like to talk about is called The Village. The Village is like on the, uh, I think it's on the second or third level. So imagine this. You walk into this restaurant, and it's this, it's this nice little Tuscany-like atmosphere, and you walk in, and the floor almost looks like a nice little river. And all the table, the the booths, uh, the booths that are set up in the restaurant look like those uh, gondola boats. You know those gondola boats where the guy is sitting at the top and he's singing la da da dee. He's doing one of those things, and you sitting there all romantic, smiling with your, with your significant other, whatnot, right? So it's a really romantic restaurant. It looks like little Italy. It literally has the whole skyline captured. It's unique. If you ever get a chance to go online to look it up, you can even see pictures of it. It is called The Village inside of the Italian Village restaurant. It's probably my favorite of the three, but it is uh, it is it is the best. Now, the, se- <laughs> the, the second one is the Vivir. The Village and the Vivir. The third one is called La Cantina, but Vivir is really nice. It's a little bit more high-end food or expensive taste. Uh, they specialize in a lot of different wines and things of that nature, uh, but it's a, it's a romantic-themed restaurant as well. Nice little red decor. It has like a fancy atmosphere inside of like an Italy, Italian restaurant. All of it is Italian cuisine. Um, And then La Cantina, which is at the bottom of the restaurant or on the the basement level, is uh, more like the wine cellar, so to speak. And it has like it almost looked like you're walking into this Italian restaurant that some crime boss owns. And so it just gives you that feel and you feel like somebody is getting ready to get shot in a crime boss type scene. You know, one of them Italian mobsters or whatnot. It just but it's cool. All three of those, you can't go wrong whichever way you go. It is romantic. Your wife will enjoy it. Spend a little bit of money. Take her to the Italian villages. When it comes to Italian restaurants, no, 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 no. It is. It's number one. It is the best. Yes. Oh, boy. (laughs) 
Now, I had always seen that place, but I'd never gone in it. Um, every time. I know you've seen it because I know you come around. You get off the train around that area, too. Well, I used to. I used to. Um, but every time I would pass by there, I would always see like a, a, a guy in a blazer who looked like he was getting ready to rip yeah. somebody out. So <laughs> <laughs> they always got like these bouncers standing outside. Okay. Always. And I'm like, uh, I don't know if I ever want to go in there. I mean, it, might, it looked like it's some shady dealings taking place in there. <laughs> <laughs> They'll let you walk in there. You can literally walk in there and just check out the scenery. It is. I'm telling you, if you've ever been to Vegas, in Vegas, they uh, one of the uh, resorts, um, I can't even remember the name of the resort. They literally <laughs> have like a, like gondola rides, like a little river where you can sit in a boat and a guy is singing to you. Me and Jessica did it last year. I know what and, you're talking about. It's, yeah. super, it's super romantic. And it's like, even if you're a dude that's not a romantic guy, it kind of gets you in your feels just a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm. No, I don't. So, <laughs> no matter if you do or you don't, you have to understand it is the best. That's Brazilian. So Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, they, well, they all come from Spain either way. We all we're all in the in, under the same big tree. From the islands of the peninsula of Iberia. <laughs> all right. Before he goes off into a tangent, I will I will uh, just voice my wonderful restaurant that uh, I believe I might have actually. Say that. Uh, which one? Wait, who? Who's guessing? Can I guess it? Oh yeah, go ahead and guess it. Ba -da -da -ba -ba. <laughs> you know what's funny? I'm. I, I, it's funny you mentioned that. Actually, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because, like I just said, and we we talked about this off 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 the 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 the, the podcast, but recently. I have been awarded more monies, more freedom of financialness and, and stability. Oh, it is good. So now there will be no more uh, uh, directing people to Wendy's and White Castle and McDonald's and Burger King. And Papa. No, 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 no. That was the worst. That's the now comes the best. So if anybody has ever watched the show or you, I don't know if it's on anymore, but used to watch the show diners, drive-ins and dives. Uh, there's a host named Guy Fieri. He got the spiky hair. He's kind of known for his hair and got the little black glasses. And he, he travels all over the country to try out these quote unquote, well-established restaurants, these top five places that many people give good reviews to. And so when he came to Chicago, there is a burger joint on the north side. When you take Lakeshore Drive and you get off on Sheridan, you go north on Sheridan, and it's not too far after you get off of Lakeshore Drive. You go north on Sheridan after a few little loops here and there, and you go to Sheridan and Albion. The exact address, Chris, since you want to talk about me not giving exact addresses, is 6604 North Sheridan Road. Mercy. It is a place called Bop and Grill. B-O-P-N-G-R-I-L-L. -L. Bop and Grill. So these this place, it's it's got a kind of creative side. It's it's kind of themed after Korean and kind of other global ingredients, Asian 
but it's kind of a fusion restaurant and they sell a lot of fast food, but with the Korean twist to it, because the, the, I believe the owner is Korean. So when he went here, he tried a burger that me and my wife tried one time and it's called the umami burger. Uh, not umami, like umami. No, it's U-M-A-M-I. And let me just tell you some of the ingredients that are in this umami burger that I tried. It is packed with truffled mushrooms, a sun-dried tomato confit, a togarashi mayo, bacon, thick bacon, not, not the little stupid skinny strips, thick bacon, and smoked Gouda cheese. Gouda cheese, not, not American, not provolone, Jack, any of those. Gouda. Umami burger is it, it'll make you say umami. It might even might even make you say ooh daddy. <laughs> but that is not the only burger that I got. I I, I splurged. I got I greedy. What say say I that hope again? You got a different burger. Oh oh I, I I went back there to try what I already had and then also try something else. So I'm looking down the menu at the signature burgers. I'm like, okay, what else sounds kind of good? What because they got a lot of different signature burgers. But there's another one I wanted to try because you know some people think I'm crazy. You know some people kind of call me a little wacky. So fittingly, I tried the local burger. And when I say it is the best, Calvin, what say you? No, 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 no. Was it the best? It was the second best after Umami Burger. <laughs> but it still held its own. So let me tell you what's on this local burger. There's a fried egg, which I have never tried on a burger before. I've always seen, you know, these crafty, uh, creative burgers, you know, on TV or, you know, with eggs and breakfast foods on them. It was delicious. Fried egg, short rib gravy, caramelized onions, bacon, thick bacon, and sharp cheddar. When you bite into this burger, all of the flavors, the, the, the consistency of the gravy, just it, it all combines into this just delicious paradise type of vibe. Like you're in heaven when you eat this burger. You're in heaven when you eat any of the burgers. So do me a favor. Anybody and everybody that's listening, go to Bop and Grill. Get the Umami Burger if you haven't had it already. Get the local burger. The next time I go there, I'm going to try the pizza burger. Yes, I said it. They have pizza burgers. It's fat. <laughs> so I call it love. We'd like to thank Calvin for availing him and jumping off the milk carton. Yes. Yes, sir. That's back. <laughs> we'll see if you're back. <laughs> Every time you say that, eyes gone. <laughs> I will see you guys in February. <laughs> uh, for landmark shows. Hey. We're going into, we've passed our 30th show. I think this is show 33 or 34. Plugging along, man. Woo-hoo. We'd like to thank man. everybody. In your face, Milwaukee. <laughs> 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 
Homer Simpson. Sorry. Oh, yeah, he did say that. It's just, it's just random. <laughs> but we like to thank everybody that supported us, man. Even the people who've been on the show, like Calvin. You know, we got some some real standbys as far as uh, people who, who listen to us, who look for our episodes, man, and we're truly appreciative. Uh, having this this form this format has opened us up to new horizons. Uh, trying to find different foods and explore different ideas. Uh, people listening to us and inviting us to listen to them, and we're truly appreciative of that. Uh, Absolutely. Out podcast to the vibes and stuff podcast to the triangle offensive uh, yes sir every podcast that supported us in big or small ways man we're not going anywhere we're going to keep plugging along but we do want to just just shout out and pay some respect to the people that have shown respect to us follow us on instagram at stay us podcast the same handle is for twitter we follow the restaurants on instagram and try to hit those places up because all restaurants do they put their most enticing pictures up and their enticing pictures very enticing <laughs> I'm going to give you some reviews in the, in the coming days I'm not going to disclose the names of the places that we're going to go to but one is chicken okay and it looks great so I'm going to try right. that place in the next couple of weeks but you know, we thank everybody. Thank all the listeners. Uh, follow us on those social media outlets. Listen to us. Subscribe. Hit the subscribe button on the Google Podcast, on the Google Play, on your Apple Podcast, on your, uh, even if you listen to Anchor uh, at our, our home base, and on your Spotify. Hit subscribe. Don't miss an episode. For Calvin, I've been Chris. And with Jordan. Appreciate y'all. I'll watch y'all next time. Alright, brothers. Yes, sir.
Milwaukee!